Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Optimal Wealth Podcast, where we discuss creating passive income through real estate. Our mission is to help educate investors on how to grow wealth and invest passively. My name is Jared Alexander, and I am a passive investor, currently in six syndications as a limited partner. I am also the founder of Optimal Equity Group, which is a real estate investment firm that was created primarily to help educate the passive investor. We do that in a couple of different ways. One is we provide education to help give you the confidence to get into the passive investing space. And two, each episode, we will interview amazing guests that explore the strategies, insights, and secrets used by successful investors. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out on your real estate journey, this podcast is designed to help give you the confidence and knowledge you need to make informed and profitable decisions. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Wealth Podcast. And today we have joining us here, Colby Fryer. Colby, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Jared. Yeah, yeah. So Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, uh, you know, just a um, short bio here of Colby. He's the uh, principal of Mountain Bridge Capital. He started investing in real estate in 2013 and personally owns over 140 doors of real estate, including a 12-unit multifamily property in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and a 123-unit portfolio deal in Las Cruces, New Mexico as well. He has been focusing on multifamily property investing and syndication over the past five years. Colby's background is in civil engineering. His experience managing multi-million dollar contracts as a division manager has transitioned well into his ability to perform asset management on all Mountain Bridge Capital real estate projects. Um, well, that's, yeah, quite a good bio there, Colby, and um, definitely have some experience under your belt. and. If you would, before we uh, transition into some of the, the details about the multifamily and apartments and um, just share a little bit about your, your background, how'd you get into real estate and the um, transition there? Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I started uh, in civil engineering back in, oh gosh, uh, 97, I guess. I've been, I've been in it for about 25 years, 26 years. Um, I currently work as a division manager, and a lot of that's been construction projects, um, multi million, some of them multi million, uh, project management, all those kinds of things. But it's uh, it's worked out really well, just having that experience, especially working with contractors. Um, that's been been really valuable um, in in managing our contractors on these bigger. projects especially on the multifamily side and and um an engineering background with the underwriting underwriting deals and pretty good at spreadsheets but uh yeah we started uh buying single family 2013 and did the burst strategy on a few of those and so got some um more more management experience there dealing with contractors and property managers I think that was a good, a, a really good foundation for what we're doing now in the multifamily side, um, which is just on a bigger scale. But it, but a lot of the same things you're doing there, you're you're getting deals under contract, you're working with contractors, property managers, all those things that you got to do. Which, and so that 
you know, now since 2020-ish uh, on the multifamily side, got a 12 unit in Albuquerque, then 100 to 123 units shortly after. Uh, the, the 12 was a JV deal, the 123 was syndication with five partners. And since then we've done an eight unit um, also in Albuquerque, New Mexico. All right. Well, and, and just to clarify real quick for the audience, so a JV is a joint venture. That's typically when you're just partnering with, with one, uh, four people um, on a deal and they pull their yeah. money together, right? And it, That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, two or three people, maybe four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's a real simple, simple kind of setup for the smaller, smaller apartment deals. So you don't have to have a syndication attorney and you don't have to raise capital. You're all bringing in money together um, to take down the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, it's a good way to get that experience too, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of go through the trial and error before you start syndicating and start bringing investor capital into the, um, yes. into the mix. Yeah. You kind of, kind of get your feet to the fire a little bit um, on, on bigger deals, but not, not like you said, not with bringing in investors and raising capital. That's the big difference. Yeah. Well, and and so your primary focus is, uh, well, really, you just said, I mean, you got a background, I mean, with the construction asset management. Um, but I know you're you're very skilled at the underwriting and, you know, you say so you find these deals, underwrite them. If you could, you know, so this episode or this podcast is uh, tailored to the past investor. So sure, some of these are, are going to be new folks just starting out in this space, or some are, you know, going to be some more seasoned seasoned investors. Um, you know, again, just just trying to educate. But if you could walk us through, you know, when you find a deal, of course, you know, you establish your market. So New Mexico, and I know you're looking in Tucson as well. Um, you know, Tucson, Arizona, but what, what's that process once you get a deal, once you find a deal and, and just go through that underwriting process there, if you don't mind. Yeah. So we, uh, we really look for, for deals in those target markets, Arizona, New Mexico, Tucson, Phoenix. Uh, we're also looking in Texas a little bit, San Antonio, Dallas, um, those are the major ones. And real quick, Kobe, just on that, maybe why 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 those areas? Just maybe a quick overview. What what drives you to the to those markets? Well, they're they're great markets um, overall. Population growth, job growth, and um, they're they're relatively close, so we don't have to travel too far. Like we'd like like it to be within an hour or two hour plane flight. If possible, drivable is is the best. So obviously, we really prefer Tucson, Phoenix. But but the other the reason for the bigger markets is it's it's harder to find deals right now, and so we've had to expand out just to bring in the deal flow and the deal volume, and it gives us more to look at. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, and. and yeah, I, I'm in, live here in Phoenix as well, and yeah, I mean it's it's definitely hard to find something to to pencil as of right now. But I, you know, again, as you know, we I think we're going to see be seeing a lot of opportunity coming up in this next year. Um, Absolutely, you know, once some yep. of this, these bridge loans start coming due. Yeah, and then you know, on the underwriting, we and so we we look for what what a lot of the syndicators are looking for. We want 
something that's got good value add. And so we have a set list of criteria that we go through for each of these deals. We're looking for uh, value add. Um, obviously, it's class C or B. Uh, 75 plus units is kind of what we focus on. And then if um, the markets, like we, we talked, million plus metro areas with population, uh, class, you know, good, good areas, uh, good rent growth, all those things. And if it passes that test, then we move on to see if it, it might pencil. And typically we do a quick underwriting to see if it's in the ballpark. Kind of uh, like a lot the back of the napkin type of deal, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a tricky one. It doesn't always work, but yeah. uh, if you kind of know what you're looking for, um, you can at least see if it's in the ballpark and if it's worth worth looking at. I will say that it's probably better to go ahead and underwrite all of them because they're so nuanced and there's so many levels to every deal that it's it's hard to just pick a quick little tool and say, hey, that, this deal doesn't work, this one does but we're getting better at it and filtering those deals. And then if it still looks good, then we, we go to the full underwriting and, and kind of see if it pencils out, but we probably underwrite more often than not going through the analyzer just to make sure that it's, uh, that it's something that might work. Right. Right. Okay. Well, so, you know, you find a, find a deal and then, um so you know population growth job growth you're probably looking at crime in the area you know all these things neighborhood level yep neighborhood level you know um income and so all these things definitely play a factor into you know buying a property and now you have again this this one there are both of these properties in new mexico um can you can you walk us through that deal there and then what what were some of those challenges and, and how did you overcome them um, given given the current market with the interest rates and, and things like that? Because if I'm not mistaken, the Las Cruces deal was uh, fairly recently, correct? Yeah, so we got pretty lucky as far as the, the interest rate on that one. We, um, we got a seller carry note. Uh, the financials were, were so bad at the time that... Uh, we couldn't get a bank loan and and the way the property was situated they were all split up into kind of portfolio style so lenders don't really like to lend on that so we ended up doing a seller carry note four percent interest um uh, i think it maxes out at six over 10 years and um four percent for five years 75 ltv um it was a heavy heavy value add uh, going in and um, we had to move a lot of tenants out of there but um, we've been in that one for two years and it's it's cash flowing well now and doing well and um, has been has been a good asset so um, it, if we had got a bridge loan at that time it might have been a different story because I know a lot of people are hurting but um, they, thank goodness we didn't because and when that's what I was just thinking is thank thank goodness the the bank wouldn't loan on the property, right? And y'all were forced to kind of look at some more creative financing there because yeah, as we know, Colby, we yeah, know quite a few of the same operators that are that are definitely going to be hurting here. 
if not already, with the when these loans come due, because nobody saw that you know interest rate hikes going up the way they did, you know, as rapidly as they did, right? No, I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Yeah, um, it's just it, it it's a huge up. There's a lot of opportunity right now. Put it that way, but I'm glad we're not part of that opportunity, and we we have a pretty stable deal. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's a good transition into, you know, mitigating the risk, right, as far as the underwriting models. So, you know, obviously, we we all learned a lot with, you know, um, these interest rate hikes and, and what happened in just the past two years. So, you know, how what are some ways in your underwriting process that you are mitigating the risk, you know, because we're, li- we're looking three, five, you know, seven, 10 years down the road, right? Um, so what are some things maybe you put into place? Well, we, like everybody, we like to see a stable deal, something that'll qualify for an agency loan. Um, one we're looking at and just got awarded in Tucson is, a is an agency loan. Um, we're not opposed to bridge. I've been talking a lot about bridge lately and, and you might say, well, isn't that crazy with everything we're going through? You, you still want to do bridge, but. I think bridge can be a good tool uh, if used right. And and the thing is, to take advantage of a lot of these opportunities coming up, bridge is going to be a necessary tool because a lot of those deals are going to be distressed, low occupancy, and you're not going to be able to get agency debt on those. Saying that, we still prefer to go agency. It's the It's the more stable, better option over time. But if that doesn't work, then getting a bridge loan um, with a you know a three-year rate cap and making sure to buy that rate cap for three or even longer, three years even longer, I think is could be a good strategy because the market's going to stabilize in a few years, and at that time, um, I, I think it you know it'd be a good op- good option to refinance into an agency. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's a bit of a gamble. People are saying interest rates are probably going to come down, but could they continue up? They could. Um, but even then, you with the bridge loan, at least it would be a more stable environment to where you could refinance into something um, with a maybe a better cap rate and and return investors' money. I yeah. think is the thinking. Right, right. Well, and then when you say agency debt, are y'all looking at just fixed rate? So maybe seven, 10 year debt, right? Yes, five, five, seven, ten. Five, seven, ten. 10 year debt. Yeah. And lock, locking the, it's a fixed interest rate. So you lock that in um, for those five, seven, 10 years. Yeah. Well, and, and to your, to your point, I mean, of, you know, the market stabilizing, I mean, it almost, it's a gamble to do that as well, right? Because you don't want to necessarily lock an interest rate in at, you know, whatever, five, six percent or seven percent, even when it might stabilize and go down and you can get it for three to four here in six months, right? Or that is the, that is the danger that if interest rates go down, then you have the prepay penalty and it's going to make it tougher to get out of those deals if you want to refinance. Yeah. What, what what are you seeing investors, um, uh, you know, feedback from investors as far as fixed rate versus bridge loans right now? And 
most most you know experienced investors know what what happened with these early 2021 2022 deals so just factor that in mind yeah have you had it it's a very good point I'm, I'm you know i just talked about bridge loans but um it's a bad word right now honestly and people yeah. just really don't care you know you can tell them anything you want about the getting the rate cap and all of that but it is a scary word to them. And so I think people really want fix. They want stability. They want fixed rate. And yeah, that's a, that's a fine line we got to walk with investors. They really don't want to hear that word right now. And, and operators. A lot of operators don't want to do bridge anymore, no matter, you know. And it could be a more attractive option because because of the prepay penalties if interest rates go down. But um, it's it's just a, a hard time to tell people that right now. Yeah. Well, and you know that's interesting because I'm hearing majority of what you're hearing right now too from operators. I mean, bridge loan, like you said, you just you don't say that word right now with especially with investors, but. You know, but I, I I heard I did hear one operator that was you know they were you know, 15, 20 years experience, something like that. And they were doing fixed year debt or fixed um, fixed rate debt, you know, five, seven years on the 2021, 2022 properties. And now they're transitioning into bridge loans right now, you know, which oh well. was, you know, was an interesting, you know, interesting take on that. So you just, what, which honestly, those deals that they did, I mean, they're they're safe right now. They didn't, you know, they didn't get that interest rate hike like a lot of the others that yeah. that bridge loan. So, yeah, a little bit ahead of the curve. It seems Look, it did. Yeah, it does. And, but, but again, you know, no, we don't have a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But um, I well, you know, being that we're on that topic, I was going to maybe ask you this towards the end, but you know, what, what are you foresee, you know, in the next coming year or two, um, and with multifamily and apartments or, you know, specifically apartments, where do you, where do you see us at? And, you know, yeah, the next 18, um, 24 months. It's a good question. I, I see, um, a lot of opportunity. I think now's a great time to buy and, to it, it's a great time to buy to find a good deal, but it's not a great time to buy, buy for investors because a lot of people are holding on to their money. But I think if we can, if we can get a deal at the right price, um, they're going to be worth a lot of money because we are on the downward part of that, that curve. Um, I, I do think there is going to be um, some tough times ahead. Uh, folks are, you know, with the economy and everything, but, but I think, Multi-family is positioned really well to withstand that. And, um, you know, we're going to find some great values and, and those properties are going to be worth a lot of money in probably another year or two years. It might might take longer, but uh, they're going to be worth a lot of money down, down the road. I think now's the time to do it. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. And it's it's an it's fortunate and unfortunate, right? Fortunate that there's gonna be a lot of deals on the table here in the next six to twelve months. You know, unfortunate where, you know, the some of these operators that didn't buy a rate cap on the on their deals or or didn't structure it or you know what's sad is some some of these operators are um, you know, executing their business plan just like you know how they projected. 
But even that, you know, with the interest rate hike, yep. they're still not able to be in a position, you know, to get their their DCR, you know, their debt um, service cover ratio, you know, in a position where the banks will, will refinance or, or you know, even to sell. So yeah, it's yes, yeah, yeah. You having to cash cash in on the, you know, do a cash in refi if they can afford to do that. Yeah. Um, if not, maybe the banks will work with them to kick the can down the road a little bit. Yeah. Work some kind of strategy out. Or uh, I guess the worst case is foreclosure, where if they can't uh, if they can't afford to um extend the loan or refi the loan. Right. Yeah. And and I've even heard of some operators looking at like pref equity, you know, bringing some more equity yep. in. To your point, just kick the can down the road a little bit and which may dilute investor returns, but at least they're not losing the capital, right? Or foreclosing. So, yeah, that's that's the thing you want to avoid if at all possible. Right. I think I think there's a, quite a few of those that that will have that option. I think there's some that um, they're so bad that I don't. I looked at one the other day. I, it was uh, it was incredible the amount of money they're losing a year and. Uh, I don't know that there's any good option for that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Once you get so far behind, there's just, it's, it's hard to come back from that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's, uh, kind of a couple more questions that I want to ask you on the underwriting side, and then we'll, we'll transition into our, our final four questions here. But, um, can you share some red flags that, that might make you recommend against investing in a particular property? I mean, what are some, just like glaring things like, oh, no, we're done here. Like, yeah, yeah. what? Do you have anything in mind there? Uh, you know, a neighborhood, um, a kind of a class, you know, if you get into class D, um, homeless kind of situation, I think those are red flags if you have a lot of homeless around. Of course, homeless is getting more prevalent in, in cities now. So, you know, to say that you wouldn't, buy a property just because there's a few homeless around that that's probably a misnomer but um but to have homeless in the units i think is a big red flag um you know um uh, i think some of those could present opportunities obviously but uh if, if you're looking for a stabilized deal that that's definitely not something you want to go for uh low low occupancy deals um you got to be careful of um yeah you want a lot of value add you want to buy a cash flow and asset right you know yes yeah cash flow mm -hmm. day day one day one yeah um i think that's a red flag is going into a deal that maybe negative cash flow year one you want if you're going after a deal like that it, it better be a really good deal right um because you're going to you're going to have negative cash flow. Uh, concessions are another one. Look at concessions. And uh, the listeners that don't know what concessions are, can you explain that a little? So uh, at a lot of properties right now, the the owners are offering um, one month free or or um, so much off every month just to try to get people in the units. And so that's one thing you want to want to be wary of going in if they're offering concessions if there's a lot of uh delinquency a lot of bad debt on the books 
is another red flag to look for. Um, and then the occupancy is huge, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Areas, hard to evict places. Which, you know, and I imagine a lot of this you're doing up front, you know, when you're narrowing down your market. But, you know, I mean, just like Phoenix here, you know, I have two square miles of, I mean, there's million dollar houses in the area and then two square miles where there's homeless walking around. Right. So you definitely, yes. you know, definitely got to be aware of that, too, which, of course, being an operator, you know, they're like Colby is definitely going to look for that before they, you know, get a deal under contract. Right. Doing your due yeah. diligence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, sure. Looking for deferred maintenance is a big one when you when you walk a property and uh, look at um, broken windows, a lot of traffic, all those kinds of things are red, huge red flags. Yeah, when I gotta imagine, say you know you get under get under contract and you you know you're starting to walk the property like you're saying, looking at you know looking in the units and and things. I mean. You know, have you run into situations where, like, you know, roofs, oh, my goodness, the roof's going to have to be replaced on this, you know, apartment building. And, I mean, you know, roofs aren't, you know, cheap on a on an apartment. So, like, does that? Yeah, that, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, one of the, the big ones we had in Las Cruces, and we we should have done a better job on, we, we did inspections, but our inspector didn't really do a good job of looking at the exterior where we were so focused on the roof, so focused on the interiors. We forgot to look at the balconies and really look at the structure of those. Um, and, and there was some real problems with the, the beams twisting and, and there was too much weight from the stairs. What ended up happening was the weight of the stairs on those balconies was causing them to fail. And so we had to go in and, and put new supports on that. And that's, that's really something that should have been caught during the inspection and due diligence. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, the lesson learned is look at everything on the property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and this is that, you know, live and learn type of situation, right? Now, next time right. you're going to, you're going to pay more attention to the balconies and the, you know, construction of the, or the structural, you know, things, the beams and stuff like that. Right. And I'm sure you yeah. still, you still get a structural you know get like a structural engineer out there as well and yeah have them look at it yeah always a good idea to have a structural engineer look at look at everything right and you want to look at the plumbing you want to look at the electric those are all huge HVAC yeah. boilers chillers yeah well and stuff. and I'm curious like do you do when you factor in underwriting and I and I've I know some uh, operators use this but like low efficiently or low efficient to uh toilet or high efficient toilets like so or or water you know spigots and things like that just to help with the water flow do y'all whenever y'all are doing your capex do y'all ever add any of those to your property yeah we we look at that a little bit yeah um that's helped us a bunch in Las Cruces. We we did um, the plumbing. You know, the plumbing repairs alone were were huge in reducing our water bill, um, just because of the deferred maintenance there. But then adding in those low flow toilets and low flow low flow faucets and all those things, you can really get a good savings. Yeah. Um, but you have to be careful with older plumbing. Sometimes those things don't work, so it has to be it has to be compatible. Yeah. 
No, that makes sense. So yeah, certain building up, then that's when you're probably factoring that in. Well, and I share that just because, you know, when you're, I mean, you know, with multifamily, you can add so much value. I, I heard like on 128 units, they were going to add them in every single unit. It added about, well, I can actually, you know, I take that back. I can't remember the unit number, but it was like $128,000 a year that they were able to save or throughout, maybe throughout that whole period in the, in the five uh -huh. years. And, and essentially that adds value to the, to the, you know, huge value. I mean, right, right to I, the bottom line, to the yep. bottom line. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, cause the banks, the banks lend on this net operating income and, and then that's how the, that's how the property's valued as well. So, which yep. is a benefit to multifamily, unlike single family, right. Where you're comped around the neighborhoods, it's value, you know, yep. um, you know, so yeah, that's a great thing. Multifamily, anything we can do to reduce the uh, expenses, increase the NOI is it, it goes right to the value of the property. Right. Yeah. I think on this one, he said, and I wish I could remember the unit number, but it was like $3 million value over, over that whole period in time. I mean, just wow. by adding that stuff. Yeah. It, I, I think it was a lot larger. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It was, it was pretty remarkable there. Um, so, and it might've been a portfolio now that I'm thinking about it, but still, you know, you, you get the point. Yep. So, um, all right, well, let's do this, Colby. Let's transition into our fire round is what we're going to call all it. All right. Going to be four questions here. Um, that I ask you here. And, and the first one is, could you recommend a book on real estate for investors just starting out and another book that that is particularly good for cultivating a positive mindset? A good book for real estate investors starting out. Um, that's a good one. I would say uh, probably, uh, at least on the multifamily side, I'd, I'd recommend... Um, the Joe Fairless uh, best ever book on apartment investing. Very detailed, a um, lot of information in there, but it gives an overview of all the steps and all the uh, different types of uh, multifamily. I think it's a it's a great book. The other one would be Ken McElroy's ABCs of uh, real estate investing. That's a good one too. Yeah. Um, on the mindset side, definitely, I would recommend. Um, Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Second Chance. Um, it's it's uh, there's Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is a great one, and it's very similar to that. But I first, you know, I was in the library uh, about ten years ago, and it actually started me on this whole journey. And I found that book, Second Chance, and it really changed my life. Um, it was an amazing book, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, you know, I, I thought you were going to say Rich Dad Poor Dad, but um, I'll have to check out Second Chance. I've never and I would have probably read Rich Dad Poor Dad had that book been in the library, but right, it was on the shelf there, and I picked it up and read Second Chance. So yeah, I think yeah. it's very similar. Probably, yeah. probably, yeah. When he's got the cash flow quadrant too, which is another good one. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just that total mind shift too. It just makes you think in a totally different perspective and have a new outlook on on life, really. And yes, sustainable. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, I just want to mention too that Joe Fairless book. Yeah, I, I actually have that right here next to me on my bookshelf. And it's a oh, yeah. great resource too. It's, you know, you can reference it. And yeah, it's just not what it's just not a one uh, one time read. So. Yeah, it's it's like one of those that you sit on your desk, look at whenever you need to pick it up. Yeah. Ton of information in there. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, Colby, there's a ton of, uh, there's like uh, key terms and things. I mean, there, there's a ton of resources just because you, when you get in this apartment world, you know, we, we use these, you know, um, terms that you probably have no idea what they mean, you know, when you're first getting into it. So they got a glossary of what the terms and, and every, all the definitions. It's just, again, it's a great way to learn the language. That's you. Language. Yeah, exactly. All right. Next question here. What is a practical first step the audience can take to explore the space of passive investing? Uh, a practical first step to explore passive investing. Well, there's a lot of resources on that as well. I read the, that book, um, The Hands-Off Investor um, by Brian Burke. Great book. I would highly recommend that. Um, and then... Um, I would, uh, you know, look in, look into you, the operators uh, is a big one. So really focus on trying to nail down um, experience level and trust and get to know, get to know um, the people you're going to be investing with before. I, I think I would spend a lot of time doing that, just getting to know operators up front before ever investing. Yeah. Well, and maybe, yeah, just picking some operators that, you know, you feel are, are are good, qualified sponsors and just call them one every week. Right. Just getting to know them, get on their email list. Yeah. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah. Just like Mountain Bridge Capital. Right. You know, call Colby and, and just have a conversation with these guys because, you know, all of them, especially next year, there's going to be a lot of good deals coming up. But you want a good operator in place that's going to be able to execute this business plan, right? And they always talk about the no like and trust factor. Um, so it's here, yeah. So glad absolutely, yeah. And 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 too, just to add on, you know, Colby uh, has a meetup actually in Tucson. Yeah. That, uh, that if anybody's down there, you know, a great way to to get started as well as getting to know people is going to meetups. Um, so if you're you know, ever down in Tucson or or you're not in the area, just go to a local meetup um, to, to get to know people. But I, I do know and I've heard a lot of great things about Colby. So definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that very much, Jared. And and I, I totally agree. I think the meetups are uh, out of everything you could do. Going to a meetup is really huge on the education side and then the just the networking, the people people you get to meet there and that are like-minded and doing the same thing you are. Um, and we try to keep it educational and help people out. What, whatever they're doing, they may not be interested in the passive side, but um, if they're interested in, in smaller multi, then we have that forum. Or if they're interested in single family, um, it's just a way to maybe broaden their horizons. One day they're starting to think about where they can go and um all those things so it's a it's a pretty cool way to 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 help people out in a lot of just a lot of different areas yeah 
No, definitely. Well, and you know, getting into space, it's so amazing on how many people are just willing to help you, right? Because they've been where you're at and you know, they they know what it took for them to get where they're at, right? And so a lot of yeah. people are here to help you along the way. Um like oh, Colby yeah. said, regardless of what single family, small multifamily, you know, the bigger units, I mean, there's there's someone there to help. Well, oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you're exactly right. Everybody's just and this space lifts everybody up. I, you rarely meet a jerk. Everybody's yeah. really good people. Yeah, definitely. For the most part. Yeah. Which uh, kind of brings us into our next question here. What is a daily habit you practice keeping you on track towards your goals? Uh, probably the best thing that's helped me out is, um, well, number one is a calendar, a weekly calendar that I prepare that I do every Sunday and I lay that out what I'm going to be doing the whole week. And, and that way all your appointments are in there, uh, all the things that, that you have planned. And then you just, you time block your, your time during the day to really focus on those things that, that you want to get done um, and need to do your meetings. And then also your, the underwriting, the talking to brokers, and, you know, um, on the passive side, it'd be trying to find those operators, find those deals, folk, put that time in there. And then every the thing I do every day is I, I focus on the three things that I want to do. And I write those down every morning. And those are the th three things that I need to do to move my business forward each day. And so I, I make sure I, I put those down and I, I have to do those each day. You know, I do a very, very similar um, habit as well. I do mine on Sundays too. And it's just, it's, it just lays out the week, right? If it's in a calendar, you're going to do it, right? Um, yeah. And, and too, you know, and, and that's just in business. I mean, you can do this in all areas of your life, right? You yep. know, your gym, you know, family time, you know, you're still working a W-2, so you got to factor that in as well, right? I mean, yes. Um, you know, we get pretty, makes it even more important. I, I know. And you got three kids too. I know. So like, yeah, we just gotta, you gotta uh, plan that in too. your family plan. time, all of it. Absolutely. We, so needless to say, we stay pretty busy. So it's, you know, definitely important having it all in a calendar. And like Colby said, just write down those top three things you need to accomplish each day. That's going to move your towards your goal, um, to that yeah, one that thing. Right. Yeah. That's a key point right there is that it, it helps maintain that balance too, because you've got so many different priorities that you, you know, if you didn't have it on a calendar, it would be hard to put any focus on every one of them. And so, and just to keep the balance in your life with family and work and, and exercise and all those things, um, having it laid out on your calendar it makes you do it. And so I found, I found it really helpful just to stay on track in all areas. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. Last and final question here. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? I think I'd want to be remembered as an educator and somebody that really tried to help people no matter what they were doing. Um, whether it's through a connection or giving um giving them some advice to to help them on their journey get them to the next next step and and just be a part of their journey i think 
that would be huge. But but that I think that would be it for me is helping people and helping to educate them. Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, it's it's just giving back, right? You know, yeah. we're just we're just you know helping educate others on what we've learned throughout the throughout our lifetime and kind of going back to what we were talking about with real estate is you know we've all been we've all been that new guy just starting out right and now we can help the other new guys that are just starting out to get to this space now that you have almost 10 years of experience and you know 200 plus units under your belt right and um probably yeah. more yeah yeah that's awesome all right that, cool. that, that is the yeah. fun part is is help is showing people how to do it and helping them to learn they you know i get a lot out of that just seeing them grow yeah yeah there's there's, there's nothing like just seeing that light bulb come on in somebody right and just yep you know kind of like what we when we read that the second chance with the rich dad poor dad right you just kind of you know get that mind shift so absolutely that's yeah. huge yeah and then you got people in the space like colby that'll help kind of walk you through and you know there's a lot of mentors that that are just willing to they just they just want to help you succeed just like they have um yes you know. all right colby yeah so all right well uh, if you would tell listeners how they could uh connect with you find more about you um yeah yeah uh so my email's colby at mountainbridgecapital.com and Jared mentioned my website, Mountain Bridge Capital. Um, I, you can reach me there. I mean, on LinkedIn as well um, and Facebook. So any of those is good. Lo right. Love to connect. And I try, I'm not real good on Facebook, but I try to check it as much as I can. And so probably email would be best. Right. Well, yeah. So if you're, yeah, email Colby if you want to connect. And I highly encourage you again if you're if you're in the Tucson area, go check out his um his local meetup there. Yeah. Um, we, what's we the, meet, what's uh, the name of it? Yeah. Uh, it's a Tucson multifamily meetup. We're we're on meetup.com, and I also advertise that on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we meet the first Thursday of the month at uh, Fire Truck Brewing on East Grant Road. Perfect. All oh. right. All right, Colby. Well, thanks again for, for joining us today. Um, I think listeners awesome. got a lot of this podcast here. And uh, well, until next time. I really enjoyed it, Jared. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Optimal Wealth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, be sure to optimize your results and take massive action on what you have learned here today. For more, visit OptimalEquityGroup.com.